because you know someone's threatening my life and that, that to me it continues to to uh, i i think about that all the time and um it, it's hard to find the same like I, i'm not sure what the united states that's where i'm you know where i live normally i'm not sure where the parallel is there I, I, but I, this is something here that um i think if a, anybody who would see it would be filled like emotionally with uh, the meaning uh, just the everyday meaning of, of actions uh, uh, I find it incredible I mean like just one small example is the air raid siren goes on and there's a you know there's the red light you know to walk the crosswalk and they just, no one will jaywalk like they'll just wait and then cross when it's green even under an air raid siren you just think like that little bit of that choice is incredible um, so I don't know if that resonates with everyone else, but it, it, I constantly think about that kind of thing. I think this is uh, absolutely vital and it's a key element which you're highlighting. And thank you also for reporting in general. That's when we started this interview. If you remember, we talked about Sergei, the guy who decided that he would go back. Um, this is a dedication to civil society, which uh, you can see in Ukraine pretty much every day. Whereas in other countries, and specifically the neighbor to the east, this is all but broken down many, many moons ago, if it ever existed. So thank you for that. Um, Sergio, I hope you're good for time. We have a lot of questions still. If you don't mind, uh, should we continue with Leonard? Is that okay? Yeah, I, I need to leave. Sorry, I have a, a television hit. So yeah, yeah. I need you to mentioned leave the interview. At, I, know. At, uh, I need to leave in about 10 minutes. Okay, Fair. great. Fair. Well, let's do the... Leonard is a fellow Canadian, so there you go, Leonard. Uh, yes, uh, thank you, Axel. Uh, Sergio, I just wanted to say what uh, what I regard uh, the efforts that you're making and the work you're doing on the ground. What I regard that is uh, with which that is held in in Canada. And uh, I have just a specific short uh, uh, question for you, Sergio. And it's with reference to the the overall balance uh, in, as far as. Uh, your, the motivation. I mean, you've been pretty, art, pretty clearly, uh, and very articulate about the, the the humanitarian impulse and the just the sheer uh, kind of horror of what what is happening there. Uh, how that has motivated you. But uh, I'd also just ask you to to reflect, if if you could, for us, to what extent does the the, the mortality factor or the danger factor uh, enter into it, uh, like in, in your mind when you, on a day-to-day -day basis. Keeping in mind that, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're well aware of of great journalists just of recent years, such as Marie Colvin, who died in Lebanon uh, on the job, so to speak. And we've had uh, reflect on the reports out of Irpin in the early phases of this war, where I believe two Fox journalists also uh, were killed by the Russians. And uh, I'm just wondering to what extent, if any, that enters into your day-to-day. -day. I mean, there must be kind of a tug-of-war going on um, internally with regard to all of those factors. And I'm just wondering how... Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, How you deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's an important question, and uh, you know, Marine Colvin's death in, in Syria, I think, affected everyone. I actually took a hostile environment first aid training course with Paul Conroy, uh, who worked with her closely um, and was there um, when she was killed. Paul Conroy was also injured, as everyone knows. Um, I took his training course in Lviv. It's you know, three-day course for freelance journalists at the Frontline Club uh, has been uh, conducting uh, graciously for journalists and Ukrainian journalists uh, for free. Um, 
and it's an incredible course that I think every I think every journalist who comes to war zones obviously should have that course to work for anyone. You have to have that. You have to have that course, um, you know, to work for any for most newsrooms. Uh, you, so I would say off the bat, like having you know first aid training, you know, how to put a tourniquet on, how to you know stop the bleed, uh, all that stuff is absolutely necessary. If you come to a conflict zone, you know, if you're a foreigner who's coming to a conflict zone, you know, to not have those those skills is uh, reckless, obviously. Um, all that being said, right, that you, let's say you properly have taken the right courses and you, or you know what you're doing, you were in the army or something, you, you can take care of you, you and your colleagues in the event of someone getting injured. In terms of risk, some people have just much more risk tolerance than me. I am actually quite risk averse. Um, I know that might not seem like the case, but if you talk to other journalists, you can ask people about me. I, I do not. I do not take the same risks, sorry, that most, that a lot of other journalists do. Um, I have been in Donbass with some journalists uh, and, you know, they're going to places that I'm just like, no, I'm not going there. Um, I'm very clear about like, I do not, I, I try not to go to places where I'm going to get shelled. Uh, if I go to an area, it's gotta be for a story that I kind of have lined up and, or I think it's important. Um, I don't wanna put myself in danger unless there is a clear reason that I can see um, uh, and that's kind of just look. This, you know, this is this might not be interesting to anyone else, but for me, you know, I, I think, I, I think there are journalists who thrive in in the front line, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to. Um, I, I think I can do meaningful work without putting myself in those situations, and so I kind of leave it to other other people to do that. I think. And here's the other part. Here's like a separate part that I've learned about myself since being is that whatever your risk tolerance is, it it changes very quickly in the field. I mean, you're much more like um, like a gimbal or like a person in like one of those like chairs that like astronauts use where your orientation will switch very soon, very quickly. Like fear is like. It, it does not last. And, and I, I mean to say like the, the real panic and fear that that cannot last. It, it will subside a bit. It will ebb. And it's supposed to, I think, just tell you like information, but then like it doesn't, once that passes, that becomes your new normal. And very quickly you will, like I, I know for myself, I see for other journalists, you take more and more risks because the normal becomes like your new, like, you know, I said, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go to this town. Then I go to that town and I'm there for a day and like, okay, this is safe. Now I'm going to go to the next town. And that becomes a thing where the frog in the boiling water, you're taking more and more risks that like, if I was in Kiev, I would have been like, whoa, I am never going to that town. Does that make sense? And look, when I came to Ukraine, I initially thought I was not going to leave Lviv. I was like, I'm staying in Lviv the entire time. I'm never going to go further than that. I, I, you know, my, I have an apartment in Kiev, right? Like I, this is where I sleep in Kiev and this is like my base of operations. I, I take trips out of there. I clearly that, that changed and, and I'm, I'm okay with that, but I've noticed that in the field, I will take more and more risks if I stay there. And I'm trying to not let that make my decisions for me. I'm trying to make decisions before I even enter the environment so that my parameters are set. Um, even if I don't feel fear, I don't like say like, yeah, let's do this. I try to say like, nope, I made the decision not to go here. I'm going to trust that and pull myself back. Um, even if that means I don't get certain stories or if I look like, you know, 
coward in front of colleagues. It, I don't think anybody thinks I'm a coward, but you know what I mean. There are definitely areas that other journalists go to that I don't go to. And I know that this is like a long answer to a very simple question, but I think it's important for every journalist that, that you know, thinks about coming here, that you probably will, will, will be able to put up with a lot more than you thought. You will be able to go into very dangerous situations and act totally, like you'll be totally cognizant and act like, like today in this little village, we were started getting shelled and we had to leave. And I, I didn't actually have fear. I, I was totally aware and, and knew what I was doing and was like totally present. Um, but I, I don't want to have those, just because I, I knew that I could, I, that I could thrive in that environment. I don't want that to be like, okay, cool. Let's go to the next Like, no, like I, if I'm going to put myself in danger, what is the, what is the information I'm bringing back to the world? It's not about whether I, you know, my, you know, my feelings should not be part of it. So I won't take a lot of risk for that reason. Long answer. I know, but, um, uh, this is to say you're probably going to get more frontline stuff for someone like Bryce and Guillaume than me. Yeah, but uh, I think you don't have to prove anything, Sergio. You've done this already by means of your reporting, and that is what is uh, what has driven us to reach out to you. And I sincerely appreciate you, that you've shared your time with us. If you don't mind, we have one last question from Caleb, who has also been in Donbass. I don't know whether you know each other, but uh, Caleb? Caleb? Caleb, you can unmute yourself if you're still with us. Um, he has his hand up. Yeah. Occasionally, it's the it's the thing. We have a short. Can question. you ask Caleb about yeah. this exact thing? Because we were we were actually together in Donbass. We rode together for a day, and he knows very well that I you know they I was not willing to go to like Bakhmut. Like I I, I he can talk about this. I I have very I'm very risk averse. Uh, uh, but I, I mean, he was going to some place I would not go to, and he, he was there for like a month. So he's a good person to kind of follow up on this because, you know, um, he, he can tell you I, I'm risk averse. And we had Caleb, we had Caleb on a couple of times already. So I agree, Caleb. You had a question for Sergio, and then I, uh, being mindful of his time, I believe that he will be off to CBC after. Caleb. Hey, yeah, thanks. Um, I actually didn't really have a question. I just I joined late, and I heard that there was a bit of controversy or. Uh, you know, lack of clarity around some situation involving Sergio's reporting. And I just wanted to chime in as someone who's worked with him in Donbass, irrespective of whatever the controversy is, I'm throwing the full weight of whatever my journalistic reputation is behind him to say he's a very conscientious journalist, um, very by the books. And yeah, that being said, I have no idea what the controversy was, but I heard that Sergio... Actually, was... that wasn't really... That wasn't oh, was really okay. Okay, dang it. I don't okay. know. I just all good. To, <laughs> I, I think just we're very that. happy to have you all here with us. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to to sing Sergio's praises. He's a great journalist. And that's we've, that. We've started saying this at the right at the beginning. I mean, we had okay. a, a pre-interview already, and uh, we're very glad to have Justin uh, with us tomorrow. And maybe Sergio, if you talk to Justin. We'd really love to talk a little bit more about what is coming up for both of you in the next few weeks and what kind of you know routes you might be taking in order to report on uh, civil society and how to, it co continues its survival in Ukraine. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you so much uh, for having me on. I, I mean, I still have like five minutes, but I'm I'm happy to. Uh, and what oh, Kilo sure. Said Great. Is, is, a, is a total uh, lie. He 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 lies. Yeah, he he is, uh, <laughs> do not trust him. I'm just kidding. No, thanks. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you, dude. So I believe we have a question from Lisa. Uh, she has a chance to, to ask a short one. Go ahead, Lisa. 
Okay, I'll make this really short. Sergio, uh, I'm probably old enough to be your mother, but if I was your mother, I would be so very proud of you. Um, I like your style of journalism. I think that you're very concise, uh, very, very careful um, how you approach people. You don't want to offend them or cause them more pain than they've already been in. Um, I think you have a good head on your shoulders, um, knowing when to go and when not. And your perimeters may expand the longer you're in journalism. But, And I think it's great that you follow your company's procedures. But the most important thing is that you are gathering historical firsthand knowledge of what is going on, which can document this historically. And I think that you are an awesome reporter, and I think that you do a great job. And I can tell by what your colleagues say that you're a good person. And thank you so much for what you've done for Ukraine. Thank you, Lisa. Um, Sergio, um, I believe we will just close this and we'll be cognizant of your time. Just last thoughts, uh, something that you wanted our audience to, to keep in mind and or maybe something to look forward to regarding your work, Sergio, to you. Yeah, just, just to say that every journalist that came on here to say something positive, they actually all owe me money from a soccer game, which is this is, uh, this is how they're repaying their debts. Uh, uh, but thank you, everyone. I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, no, in all seriousness, um, in terms of Ukraine, it is a vital story and I am just one uh, journalist who does a very s kind of small like not small sorry but very like specific kind of uh, job if you know I do not have the, the best overall picture I do not have the history knowledge and, and I don't speak the language and there are lots of other journalists who do that stuff and do much more comprehensive uh, stories and I I am glad that you know I am that there are lots of journalists working here. Uh, I do think that um, this, you know, I'm, I'm, I do think that this this country could use as many journalists as want who want to be here. You know, like this, th there is a lot of things happening that that deserve to be, you know, told. And um, uh, I, I, if, if you know, other journalists are thinking of coming here or something, I, I, they can reach out to me privately if they need any like advice or. Uh, stuff like that uh, and in terms for audiences um, I'm very grateful that people are that c care and are watching and listening um, and uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to work in a job that you know I my profession is to come here and, and try to get you know say what's happening that, that clearly needs to be told I mean that is I'm, I'm happy to do this and um, and I'm and I think it, it's it's important work I I um, yeah, I, I, and it, so I'm grateful everyone for being here. Thank you for inviting. Most welcome. Again, thank you. Most welcome indeed. For thank you for your work and for all the stories that you share with us. It's imperative to keep up the good work, and uh, we are more than glad to have you back here with us anytime your schedule permits. Just shoot us a message or just uh, jump in. We're 24/7 since the 24th, with uh, all the good and the bad, and uh, you know, still holding. Um, but yeah, conveying the message, elevating Ukrainian voices and elevating voices like yours. This is the, the least we could do here.
Okay. Uh, thanks, everyone. Have a great night. All right. Best regards to the Canadians, and uh, tell Justin we'll grill him on all the secrets tomorrow. <laughs> of course. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. Cheers, Take mate. Care. Caleb, good that you have joined. How are you doing? How's Berlin? It's good, thanks. I actually don't have a lot of time. I'm uh, kind of in transit right now, going elsewhere. Uh, but I just saw that my buddy Sergio was on, and I thought I'd tune in. And when I picked up on a couple of, uh, I don't know, threads, I don't know, I had the impression that he was being attacked or something, and so I was no, no. ready to jump in. But I'm, I'm glad that everything's fine. <laughs> good. It, it's always good that you jump up. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, uh, at uh, 7 Kiev time or 6 p.m. Central European, if you like, uh, Justin will be with us, and we'll continue the thread and talk about the next steps they're taking. So if you would like to listen in or jump in with a couple of questions, feel free to do so. Okay, are you in touch with uh, your contacts in uh, Bakhmut or Siversk? Because there is right now there is apparently a Russian invaders are trying to push towards Siversk, being pushed back a little bit. But they're, as usually, shelling residential areas, shelling the city, trying to kill as many civilians in the process. Um I believe Caleb just uh, lost his connection. But uh, again, this is what is happening right now. There is an attempted Russian attack towards Siversk uh, in the Bakhmut, towards like north of Bakhmut in that area of the east of Ukraine, former JFO area. And uh, the, the town is under Rus Russian artillery attack. Um, civilians are obviously suffering. And Russians are trying to to push and uh, crawl in into the areas that, uh, first of all, they destroyed, demolish, level down, and then capture what's left, if anything is left. So that's uh, that's the situation right now. Yeah, Caleb just sent, sent me a text that he couldn't stay uh, for much longer. He just had to walk off. So, but best regards, everyone. Adrian. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, I know Sergio is gone now, I just wanted to jump in and say maybe I was uh, the one that pushed pushed him a little bit. It was uh, definitely not my intention. It's um, My curiosity was more of um, towards uh, the mentality of Western editors who are not in Ukraine. Obviously, I uh, respect uh, people like Sergio, like Bryce, like Caleb, who are... Uh, put themselves in danger and are underground. And I understand that uh, even though the profession of journalism is getting a lot of flack this day, I really understand uh, that there is a lot of amazing journalists who keep to their uh, standards and are very clear about their standards while also having a, a good moral compass. And I really appreciated his answer and uh, his responsibility on uh, reporting the facts and trying to bring the facts to bear. And uh, hopefully the audience uh, will be, um, will gather from the facts that he reports that uh, what is happening in Ukraine is there, but that he chose as a professional journalism who has standards and a moral compass, he chose, chooses not to make uh, judgment values values of judgment uh, i don't exactly the, the exact wording but uh, me as a filmmaker documentaries especially arta ones are uh, essentially all about point of view and choosing a side and hopefully you have good morals to choose the right side so uh, maybe sometimes uh, emotionally me i get uh, more strict in calling the spade of spade but uh, i definitely do respect uh, journalists who 
put themselves in danger and are there on the ground and uh, trying to uh, do justice to their profession. So I just wanted to say that, that I really uh, respect Sergio's work. Thanks. Much appreciated. And David? Thanks very much, Axel. Um, I'm on a headset, so let me know if it's, uh, if it's okay on the audio. Um, I really enjoyed listening to the space. Um, Sergio and Bryce, and even uh, yesterday when we had Bryce and a couple of other <clears throat> journalists on the ground reporting the last couple of days. Um, I do wholeheartedly agree with what Adrian has pointed out, that um, on the merits of which a person lays out their profession, uh, they must be judged. And uh, it's fair to say that for what Sergio represents himself as, um, his work uh, more than meets what would be considered a journalistic standard, I think and it would be a great follow-up for everybody here who has been listening to um, Go Find Sergio and follow his account because uh, to be disciplined and also be able to shed a light and bring the truth as it is experienced by Ukrainian people to the world is uh, a gift. Whether or not we, whether or not personally I agree with everything he writes or the conclusions he would draw when he's um, putting together a piece is really not the point I'm making. It's just pure, pure quality, just top, top class work. It's, it's something that's not very often found. I think we're, uh, we're lucky to have him there in the Ukraine if it's such a thing to say lucky um, to bring us the information. Uh, it's up to us then to wait up and be able to decide because <clears throat> his, <clears throat> his bona fides are impeccable. His body of work, if you just read it back, um, it's fantastic. I hope he is able to um, make time to visit us again. And something I had wanted to share both with Bryce and there was another person who was with Bryce previously and then also today with Sergio is that uh, from our point of view as the listenership or the consumer of their information that they are able to bring to us from the war zone and this facility, this space gives us the opportunity to um, send a message back both to the journalists and to the people they work with that we're here, we're listening and we often taken our eye off the ball and uh, we're with them every breath and every step and that they're not alone. So even the places that are recently liberated or the places that have been never occupied wherever, from wherever these brave folks are reporting, I would very much like if that would be a message they could bring to the people and bring with themselves as well that they're not on their own, that we are here and uh, we're bearing witness uh, as much as we can. So I suppose just thanks for the space and uh, it's been very powerful. So retweet and share. And if you've enjoyed it, uh, visit mariaaid.org and give what you can. Even a couple of dollars goes a long way. David, I take it you, you were content with the fact that we managed, uh, I mean, to discuss what Sergio and I had prepared for it. prior to the interview, that we would walk through what are the relevant criteria for describing in the news media what this actually is, meaning a genocide. Oh, yeah. Let, I mean, chapter and verse, it's not. It was said, and it wasn't said pithily, you know. They wrote it in plain English to be understood and not to be mistaken, you know. It's one to five, and you put them out, and there they are, um, on their face. We should be calling this out, and uh, I'm glad for every journalist who can actually take that little checklist and uh, relay it back to every editor and every managing director and media companies and highlight, by the way, look at these, one, two, three, four, five, and by the way, I found one, two, three, four, five. Let's call it. I think with active listenership and participation and encouragement and cajoling and uh, the power of conversation, uh, I think, will will help us bridge the gap. I think it's something that we can help uh, nudge with this forum. Absolutely, Reed. We have a lot of background noise. 
But I, you need to mute yourself and raise your hand. Uh, we have Leonard speaking first. Uh, thank you again, Axel. Uh, I just wanted to say to uh, David Farrell uh, how uh, how much I enjoy the commentary that he makes on this space every time. And uh, David has raised just a number of excellent, excellent points. And once again, his commentary with with regard to the the the, the high importance of this type of on the ground reporting, uh, the, the the high importance that that has in the in the world today and how rare it is based upon all of the other uh, noise that goes on in the media coverage with reference to ukraine and you know i would just say again uh, thank you david for your comments and it it highlights just how significant the work that is being done by by these uh, these brave correspondents on the ground, uh, and whether whether it be uh, uh, Bryce or Guillaume or Sergio, or uh, uh, any of the any of the people that we've heard from just recently, just an immensely important job that's, that's being done, and an immensely important uh, perspective and on the ground visceral uh, minute uh, minute by minute realization of what truly is at stake here. So, uh, and thank you once again, David, for, for drawing that into into very clear relief. Thank you. Guillaume, that was the man's name. I couldn't think of it. Thanks, Leonard. Uh, no worries. Glad to hear your voice. All right. We had uh, our guest speaker, Koro, coming up with his handle. Can you hear us? We'll get Walter to Dobrovecha. Walter, I'm not sure whether our guest can hear us. Yes. First, добрий день. Чуєте нас? Mic check. Зліва внизу на телефоні є кнопка розмітитись. Uh, витиснути її карацію. Мікрофон on, мікрофон off. Єдине, що я сподіваюся, ви на телефоні, бо ця штука працює тільки на телефоні. Якщо ви з комп'ютера стаціонарного, ви можете тільки чути на. Uh, попробуйте розмютитись. Це зліва внизу значок мікрофона на телефоні. I reinvited him to speak. He dropped down by himself. I think he was in a car with a lot of background noise. Yeah, could be. Uh, if you're in the car, then try to talk to the same way. I'm sorry, on the phone, because if you're on Bluetooth in the car, it's always damaged in process. Let's try to re-invite. Um, again, our Did guest that. is from Ukrainian Air Assault Troop. He's a senior lieutenant in the Ukrainian Air Assault Troop. I think he had to restart his phone completely. And Victoria is trying to um, guide him as well. Only it takes a minute, Walter. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I got used to these tri- Twitter things at this point. I was just about to say, I mean, literally many of us are living here on this constant but still interrupted space. So speaking of uh, Ukrainian air assault troops, there are like five brigades if i recall correctly come right from the back of my head the numbers are 95 or 25th 80s which is from lviv my home city and 72nd if i recall correctly um many pretty much all of them have been um in significant combat and uh, defending ukraine since 2014, the 80th one in Luh- was in Luhansk airfield, 95th, 95th, uh, were fighting closer to Donetsk. And uh, again, air assault brigades have been carrying the burden of the war since since 2014. 
So we'll just wait for our friend to reconnect. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'll try to look into uh, the process to facilitate the things a little bit. And uh, meanwhile, back to you, Diamond and Axel. Yeah, and it's good that you just highlighted this. Uh, the 81st and the 80th Air Assault Brigade, for example, or the 81st Air Mobile and the 80th Air Assault Brigade have both been featuring very prominently um, in the war. The 80th, for example, has held a large part of the Isium salient and has been very effective in that regard. And without these combat units, um, many of those tactical mobile delays and withdrawals would not have worked as effectively. So um, these are units of the absolute highest order. So both Constantine and our guest speaker are coming up. So we should be complete in a second. Walter, we're ready. Walter. Yep. Good. I'm here. Just fix the title of the space. Again, welcome uh, our friend Horol uh, from Ukraine. His was the air assault, one of the air assault brigades. Розкажіть нам, звідки ви, по-перше, перевіримо мікрофон, чи працює, і ласкаво просто спробуйте розмютитись зліва внизу кнопка мікрофон. Окей, ми вас чуємо, але не чуємо, що ви говорите. Чуємо шум на фоні. Добрий вечір. Добрий вечір, але ми вас чуємо дуже погано, мені здається, ви не на найкращому місці, де є зв'язок. Спробуйте ще раз сказати, буквально пару слів почули. So we're trying to establish connection, there is some uh, uh, interference in the program. Чути вас, чути вас, кажіть. Uh, ну, вітаюся з вами, вітаю вас всіх. Вітаю вас, so uh, uh, welcome here, Хорол. Розкажіть, звідки ви зараз підключилися і в, в якій повітряно-десантній ви служите і що відбувається? Розкажіть аудиторії, яка тільки щойно підключилась. Два слова. Дуже погано вас чути. Uh, we are trying to establish connections still. Uh, перебуває вас. Спробуйте говорити напряму в телефон. Мені здається, ви десь в поганому місці, де нема зв'язку. Може, десь в полі, очевидно. Uh, бо чути перерив часто або окремі слова. Спробуйте ще раз. So, yeah, occasionally, well, that's the beauty of trying to connect with uh, Ukrainian defenders who are on the front line or close to the front line, unfortunately. Um, the connections is not good often or often it's quite quite the opposite we were lucky to have roman ratushny here uh with a decent connection occasionally probably today is not such a great day um we'll try again we'll give him another chance obviously understand the circumstances that he is currently in so let's try to reconnect him and I'll, i'm gonna try to do that in the meanwhile, Konstantin, how are the packages doing? Um, I think it's a box madness on your end, right? <laughs> so uh, actually, I went. Uh, I went to my father. He lives in Houston. Uh, uh, that's uh, around two hundred miles away from Austin. And I asked my friend to make sure that he uh, takes all the boxes inside, and I'm going to be un- unpacking them on Monday. So. Right now, I'm enjoying my uh, my weekend and uh, not having trouble with the boxes at the moment. But on the Monday, when everything arrives, uh, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time doing that. And I just got a message from Amazon that uh, my wife ordered uh, some things like uh, some clothes from Amazon, and I can imagine that we will spend 
couple of hours trying to figure out which of the boxes actually was the was the clothes that she ordered for herself. I wanted to ask about about her role. Um, do you know uh, which uh, brigade or which battalion, which unit he serves with? Yeah, he's one of the air assault, uh, his senior lieutenant. Uh, but I just wanted to ask the 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 brigade number. But again, we it was challenging to establish connection. Apparently, he is somewhere in the field right now. Got it. So we'll try to keep to keep to essentially do the same thing and try to get him in. Uh, I'm not sure whether we'll be successful considering the circumstances. Otherwise, we'll get him back um, sometime later. Uh, you also said that today it's difficult that he has maybe only 30, 40 minutes. Let's try and uh, try to get him up again. He's reconnecting. There you are. I think he is in. Проверка звездку. Алло, мене чути? Чути-чути, тепер чути. Перебуває дуже сильно, але періодично чути. Говоріть. So, uh, I'll consider that as uh, we are trying to to combat all the technical difficulties, unfortunately. Um, чути зараз? Бо ми вас не чули. Кажіть. Я не з бригади, уже раніше я був військовослужбовцем 79-ї десантно-штурмової бригади. Наразі я військовослужбовець 132-го окремого розвідувального батальйону. Окей, so uh, Horel used to serve with the 79th Air Assault. Right now he is with the 132nd uh, reconnaissance uh, battalion. А на якому відтинку фронту ви знаходитесь? Приблизно, так, щоб люди зорієнтувались, де ви фізично. Недалеко між Балаклеєю та Ізюмом. So, uh, Horol is in between, or somewhere around Balaklaya in Ізюм, in that area. Тобто десь в районі um, діяльності 93-ї, так само, правильно? Ну, no, так, у нас просто специфіка роботи не на ділянці, а за нею. Right, so... Uh, Somewhere around the 1930s present as well, and Coral uh, is active, not exactly on that area, but somewhere like as a reconnaissance unit, even behind the enemy lines of sort. Розкажіть, але вони зараз наразі тут на нашій ділянці фронту отримали від нас, ну, в общем, ми їм зробили боляче, і вони почали потрошку відходити. Ну, така ситуація. 
Дякую. So, uh, Russians, as, uh, as usually, they're lying. They're calling their uh, situation an operational pause, but the operational pause is not because they chose the, the pause, but because they were... They, they, uh, they were uh, under attack and they absorbed damage and casualties and Ukrainians inflicted casualties upon them. Therefore, Russians were unable to proceed and pretended that they are like in an operational pause. Instead, they were pushed back. I should add that the situation changed in our side. Радикально після початку роботи ваших надавних вашим урядом гаубицям 770. So the situation basically drastically changed into the favor of uh, Ukrainian defenders after M777s became more active in that specific section on the front line. So he commands again the the uh, the weaponry that was delivered heavy equipment um that's the last page пропадає звук so we're again probably having some technical difficulties horol is uh, in the in the field right now just driving and moving in between locations uh як чути нас зараз чути нас чи ні Чути, окей, бо ви пропадаєте. Ну, говоріть, мабуть, питання буде, наскільки вони змінили тактику, чи підхід, чи загалом як обстановка, як моральний дух в них з того боку, що по русні. So, yes, obviously it is challenging to establish connection when they're in the field and moving in between positions, specifically in the car close to the front line, so I believe that's understandable. Як тільки буде зв'язок, чи буде нас чути, просто ви включаєтесь, ми будемо зразу перекладати. In the meanwhile, I'll just basically shift back to Axel and Damon. I'll try to establish connection with our friend from the from around the Zoom and Balaclaya. Thank you, Walter. Axel, in the meantime, should we note quickly whom we have uh, lined up as guests tomorrow, hopefully with a better connection. Yes, please, if you could, because I'm currently holding two big beans here. If by beans you mean... Um, uh, beans, no, something... Beans? Why are you holding? Seriously, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> compromise for the next three minutes. Well, in that case, uh, tomorrow at noon Eastern time, that is 7 p.m. Kiev, 6 p.m. Paris, uh, 5 p.m. London, we will be hosting Justin Yao, uh, who, just like Sergio earlier, is a journalist from Portland, but he's a photojournalist as opposed to, what shall we say, a, a press journalist, a Britain journalist. Um, so he will be joining us tomorrow uh, afternoon or evening or even morning if you're in the west coast of the US or even on Monday morning if you're in Australia because time zones are weird. Uh, but anyway, tomorrow, noon Eastern, 7 p.m. Kiev, 6 p.m. Warsaw, 5 p.m. London with, just, with Justin Yao. And then uh, later on tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, that is, goodness, uh, 9 p.m. Warsaw, uh, 10 p.m. Kiev, uh, 8 p.m. London, we will be joined by Christian Boris, who was formerly a Kiev-based journalist for the BBC, uh, as well as several other outlets. 
including the CBC, and is currently most famous as the creator of the same Javelin, of the same Javelin uh, merchandise website and same Javelin uh, graphic whereby he supports uh, various Ukrainian charities, I believe primarily Come Back Alive, uh, through his excellent creations of uh, uh, graphics that end up in T-shirts and patches and backpacks and the like. Uh, you've all seen it. Uh, many people used to have it as an avatar, uh, sort of an icon-style graphic holding a javelin, a javelin anti-tank weapon, or the sort of javelin that the Greece kind of javelin. Anyway, uh, he'll be joining us tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. That is... Uh, 9 p.m. Warsaw, 10 p.m. Kiev, 8 p.m. London, and noon California. Uh, so those are our two guests tomorrow, Justin Yao at noon Eastern and Christian Boris at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Sorry, Norman. I, <laughs> I apologize. How are, for you, now. Are, yeah, how are you? Well. Uh, how are your beanstalks? Are you like Jack? And... You should look at your DM or on the message and you can see the beam. Anyway, sorry. Oh, so, yes. with an M. Beam, yes, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I was a little pressed for breath. I apologize to everyone in the room. I didn't want to bother you with it, but it was unfortunate. So, yeah, Justin tomorrow. That's actually very interesting because whilst this is a channel where we talk, it's essentially like radio or talk radio, if you so like. Uh, Justin has a significant quality to the, um, yeah, uh, visual impact uh, his work has and how he supports the work he and Sergio are doing. So it's very interesting to get a description as to how he works and uh, um, what kind of impressions he has collected. And he will probably be sharing a number of the photos, just like Bryce did as well. So we're very, very fortunate to have him with us tomorrow. And on that happy note, all righty. Adrian, uh, will be joining us tomorrow when uh, Justin will be with us? Yes, of course. Uh, I work from home, so most of my time, uh, the space is in the background. So definitely. Visual storytelling and documenting what happens in Ukraine is absolutely vital. So I thought it's a good idea if we could uh, tomorrow join up and uh, have a little chat about it. Absolutely. I think um, uh, this uh, meme war, uh, although as ridiculous as it sounds sometimes, I mean, given the tragic events that we discuss on this space sometimes, has a great value because... Uh, Russian propaganda and Russian talking points are so outrageous and so ridiculous and so offensive that sometimes the only way to combat them is uh, through pointing out, through sarcasm and pointing out the absolute ridiculousness of what they are. So uh, big uh, props to NAFO and St. Javelin and all the other meme fighters. It's a... Um, Obviously, it's not the same as fighting in the trenches, but it's definitely uh, a big uh, contribution to the war effort by fighting misinformation. Uh, Walter? Walter? Here. Yeah, tut, yeah, tut, we can get you. I'm going to call you again. Yeah, I'm going to ukraine is Та ми просто вже перескочили. Ви розкажіть, що змінилося останній час? Який в них моральний дух? Чи вони сипляться трохи? Одну минуту. Константин, can you join us? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, um, Koro needs uh, someone to translate. Can you do this for us about water sorting out his technical issues? Yes, of course. 
Так, ну я, Хорол, я думаю, ти чув питання чи ні? Ну, я спеку інгліш, але коли ти спекаєш слово. Я буду розмовляти українською мовою. Перше питання. Чи ви знаєте, який моральний стан зараз у Русні? Так, знаємо, але ми ж розвідники. Моральний стан, вони для них це як важка робота, обтягуюча їх, вони наразі не розуміють. Упоротость залишається в тому, що вони розуміють, що після їхньої поразки, тобто перемога для них має бути понад усе, вони розуміють, що після поразки Росія посипе. І тому от такі дані їм і вкладають в ухо їхні заступники з якоїсь там роботи політичної і так далі. Ті, що в Радянському Союзі називалися замполітом. Зрозуміло, дякую. Зараз я перекладу це. Тому питання до Хоролу було, що є моральний стан російських військових, якщо він знає. Тому його відповідь, що як реконсенс юніт, вони знають їхній моральний стан, і це вирішує. Right now, they don't know uh, what what to do. They feel the burden uh, of of the war. Uh, it 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 has become a really hard and challenging uh, job that they don't like, and uh, and uh, it's their political officers are telling them uh, that if uh, if Russia loses uh, the war, uh, if Russia has to withdraw, the Russia will start falling apart. So that does not uh, contribute to to the moral state of the troops and makes makes it even worse. Uh, when when you ask me, особисто до вас, Хорол, це ваш позивний? Так, так. Ви з Хоролом? Ні, моя дідівщина це Полтавщина, а саме Хороль. Зрозумів. I asked if Хорол was Uh, was uh, his uh, place where he's from and he said that this is essentially where he was born and that's why he had and his um, his roots are coming from and that's why he has this uh, sign uh, sign call sign uh, Walter are you here right now? Um, Мій ну, вибір такого позивного зумовлений тим, що мої обидва діда, що по батьковій, що по материнській лінії, разом з вашими дідами, чи прадідами, я не знаю, ну, віковий ценз вашої аудиторії, разом захищали, вичищали Європу від гітлерівців. І тому, коли в 14-му році почалася ну, військова агресія проти моєї країни, Ну, і росіяни дуже часто люблять кричати, як їхні діди воювали. Ну, от мої воювали, а їхніх я поки що не знаю, не бачу. Тому і цим було зумовлено вибір мого позивного. Дякую. So, his Хорол roots are from Хорол. This is a town in Poltava region. And uh, his two grandfathers are from there. And during the Second World War, they were uh, they were uh, fighting against Nazi Germany in Europe. And uh, his 
and that's why he picked up the the uh, the school sign and that uh, Russia Russian propaganda is saying that they have Russia has been cleansing uh, Europe from Nazis and he does not know much about that but he knows that his uh, grand grandfathers uh, both grandfathers were fighting against Nazism in Europe and uh, were successful at it. Дякую. Um, розкажіть, ще трохи більше про зміни на фронті за останній час. Ви кажете, що вони трохи посипалися, ви їх відпустили. Так, знову ж таки, після початку роботи нового зброєння, яке ну, ви, як наші союзники, нам надіслали, у них... Yeah, the interesting thing is uh, the 132nd is obviously right bang in the middle of things, coordinating uh, matters, and uh, it's very interesting. I'm very, very glad that he is willing to make time for us. This is amazing. I mean, we're, we're literally having someone who's just off to go and do the business again. So if everyone could retweet and let everyone know that we're here speaking to our guests, it'd be super awesome. Uh, it's definitely an insight. I do know he has limited time. I did get him the back channel there that... He might have to go, um, but... Uh... Well, in any case, we'll try to either resolve it today or get him back sometime later. We have a established communication channel with him, so rest assured, uh, we'll get him back. If not today, then sometime later. Unfortunately, okay. this is the reality of the uh, trying to establish communication with someone who is literally on the front line. So I think you just uh, have to acknowledge that and appreciate the effort on his end. And uh, having said that, back to you, Yehuda. Thanks, Walter. Yeah, I know that's uh, very insulting. I, uh, I think I personally feel honored that someone's taking their time to, to do that, uh, to do this interview uh, from the position he's in. So very good to know. Super, um, super excited to have him back. Um, I did pop and I was listening. Uh, did, did Nick have his hand up first? Yes, uh, only to ask the speaker something. Well, I mean, perhaps, but perhaps someone. It was just uh, the, um, uh, the comment was that the uh, the Russians had poor morale, and their political officers uh, were telling them, you know, bad things would happen if Russia lost. And uh, I was slightly surprised to hear the phrase "political officers." I associate that with the Soviet Union, where you know your political officer would be reporting back to the Communist Party. So I guess I guess my first question is who are the political officers in the in in the Russian military reporting to? And secondly, uh is there any equivalent in the Ukrainian army or do they just have chaplains like everyone else? No yes, it's a very good question. It's come up before I would I'd like to answer answer it part of me. So he specifically quickly. mentioned a term that is called Zampolit, or Zemestitis Politiskiy Raboty. Konstantin, I think you can... Uh, yeah, so, uh, like, uh, it, it does not, he does not report to a political party, it's just, you know, there is a, there is a politics in terms of, you know, uh, um, more like uh, armed forces policy, you know, uh, it, 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 he is responsible for the moral state, of the troops he's responsible of uh, 
morals of knowledge of the moral state of the 